Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. All right, welcome back. This is episode 43 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And before we get started, I want to tell you about uh, Amazon. Have you heard of Amazon? Amazon.com? Yes. I think sounds vaguely familiar, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, if you go to Amazon.GravePlotPodcast.com, you can get yourself a 30-day free trial of Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime is pretty nice, especially now because in major major metropolitan areas, you get same-day shipping for free. With drones? No. <laughs> I think it's whatever courier is fastest at that point. Drones are coming. Maybe. Soon. We'll see. Soon. Tonight. You. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Amazon.com. 30-day free trial of Prime at Amazon.GraveplotPodcast.com. Uh, so speaking of drones, so today, or this weekend, is Seafair here in Seattle. Uh, so you may overhear in the background the um, Blue Angel zipping overhead. Yeah, we're not under attack or anything, so no. don't worry. Uh, our ears are. God. <laughs> um, but uh, apparently, I believe it was like the, the Navy announced that if there are any drones in the sky when, when Blue Angels f- start flying, that they'll ground them immediately. Nice. Yeah. Fucking drones. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know specifically why. I assume some kind of security concern. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're not sure when this is going to stop. It could go on for the rest of the show. We don't know. <laughs> um, but we'll do our best to work around it or with it. I guess we're not going to avoid it or anything. It's kind of there. We can't stop it. Right. Uh, so, how's it going, Taylor? Here they come. Yep. Uh, it's going okay. You may notice our voices are a little different. This episode, we went karaokeing for my birthday last night. Yeah. Uh, until 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was closer to 3. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, it was like 2.30 when we left, yeah, so. Yeah I, I, yeah, I guess maybe it took me probably 15 minutes or so to walk to my car. Anyway, I... Uh, my wife asked me this morning what time I got home, and I'm like, I I don't know. It was somewhere between two and three. I think maybe like two thirty or so. And uh, she looks at her phone and says, "Well, you texted me that you're coming home at two fifty. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, okay, so maybe I was close home closer to like three thirty. <laughs> um, but yeah, karaokeing after we'd already been drinking. Yeah, it was, um, it was a dumb idea. Yeah, and uh, it was fun, but. Now we're, yeah, we sound like this. Yeah, we th- thought like just belting out some Aerosmith and ACDC like back to back. We thought that was a fucking brilliant idea. <laughs> uh, yeah. So our, yeah, my throat's t- like we were we were driving here, and my wife my wife said, uh, "Yeah, your voice sounds awful." <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I mean, at least we have voices still, so that's yeah, that's something. Yeah, uh, didn't even take into consideration that we were recording today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, last night was fun. Played, yeah. played some bocce ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time for me. 
It was only my second time, I think. Second or third. Okay. My cousin was super into it. Yeah, he, he actually was fairly good at it, too. He was like, I'm going to buy a bocce ball set. <laughs> um, I fucking banged up my finger. I'm sure you remember that. Yeah, you, like, smashed it on the counter or whatever. Yeah, like, I was fucking around. I had the I had the, bo- the bocce ball in my hand. I swung it back. Anybody that's played bocce ball knows these things are uh, about 10 pounds or so. Somewhere, somewhere around there. Um, and, uh... Yeah, I swung my hand back and hit it on the the bar behind me, and fucking like right below my knuckle. Um, but I mean, my finger is not really swollen. That's good. Yeah, so, I mean that's a, that's yeah the plus. Except my like my knuckle, like right on my knuckle is swollen. Or but you swollen didn't hit on your knuckle. I hit right here. I mean, you can actually see the mark where it happened. Oh jeez, I didn't realize you hit it that hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my knuckle's a little swollen and a little bruised. But other than that, there's no other swelling, so... I would think if I broke it, it would be fucking oh, blown yeah. up. It's, I mean, it's a little stiff. I assume that's probably because of the swelling. That's what she said. <laughs> Got it. Uh, so, yeah. A lot of fun. Everybody bailed on us when we went to karaoke. Yeah. It was kind of a afterthought. That's true. <laughs> Your sister wanted to go. Yeah. My brother-in-law is such a buzzkill. <laughs> so what if you just got off of a flight from Kansas? <laughs> Literally just got off. <laughs> yeah, like came straight from the airport. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, anything else new? Um, I don't think so. Uh-oh. Oh, something. it's not in horror business, but have you seen they're, they're making a uh, new troll movie? Oh, God, no. It's an animated movie? <laughs> Starring Patricia Arquette. Oh. So she's, you know, doing really well. Yeah. Well, I guess she's on that CSI cyber or whatever. Oh, is she with the Dawson? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you're the Dawson. <laughs> it's funny because Jason Mewes fucking loves that show. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah, we do have uh, plenty of actual horror business, so... Yeah, we should probably get into it. Yeah. Alright, start out with uh, Destination America, which is a television network. It's the home of TNA Wrestling. <laughs> I forgot they bounced uh, that... Um, Spike. Spike. Dropped them. Actually, well, they're soon to be the former home of TNA Wrestling. Are they just? Are they dropping them? They're, they're getting out of the wrestling business entirely. Oh, okay, that's because they, they picked up Ring of Honor too, and now they're dropping that as well. So TNA needs to just yeah give up. Yeah, it was not a good idea ever. Yeah, I mean, it had its its run and it's it's failed. Yeah, I mean, like you get a bunch of nobodies combined with a bunch of has-beens, pretty much, yeah. and. Like, how do you expect anybody to enjoy this? Well, and it was like they wouldn't push their own guys. They had, you know, like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, these guys who were really good, and they wouldn't push them because they were busy pushing Hulk Hogan and, you know, Roddy Piper, rest in peace. Kurt Angle. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Rowdy's dead, man. Yeah, that sucked. That was a fucking birthday, man. Yeah. I'm going to bring down the mood. Well, uh, Betsy Palmer died on my birthday. Oh, yeah. Uh... Yeah, it was, it was a real bummer, I mean, because, like, 
you know, I, I haven't watched wrestling regularly in, in quite a while. But, I mean, I was a huge fan when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, watched it all the time. And, um, yeah, Rowdy was one of my favorites. So. Yeah. I watched They Live yesterday in, in his honor, so. Nice. Anyways, this is not a story about no. TNA wrestling. <laughs> Destination America <laughs> is going to air, now follow me here, a live exorcism. Mm-hmm. For those of you wondering, this is the first time ever. Mm-hmm. Um, they've dubbed it Exorcism Live. Oh, clever. <laughs> um, the, the event's going to take place at the original Exorcist house in the suburbs of St. Louis. Um, where uh, the infamous ritual was done on Roland Doe in 1949. Uh, who? That's who the movie The Exorcist was based on, was this Roland Doe. Right. Many people don't actually realize that The Exorcist is based on a true story. Well, based on. Based on, yeah. yeah. Or inspired by, I guess would be. Sure. Yeah. Um... Because, of course, Roland Doe and Reagan... Shit, I forgot her last name. Uh, Linda Blair. Right. Obviously, two very different people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <clears throat> um, anyway, uh, the press release says, Exorcism Live! Oh, see, you hear that? In my, in my live! <laughs> Tony's with your puberty. <laughs> uh, I wonder if that just... That happens when you when you fuck up your throat and it starts re, like repairing itself. If it's basically just going it's through puberty, puberty all over again. again. <laughs> um, exorcism live! Exclamation point. Got it. That's why I exclaimed. Exorcism colon live. Yeah. That's why I exclaimed it. Gotcha. Uh, Thank we'll you for fe- explaining. <laughs> yes. For those of you at home, um, Destination America uh, will we'll feature Destination America's cast of the hit series Ghost Asylum, which is a thing apparently. It's a hit, apparently. Yeah, right. I'm like, I barely even know what Destination America is. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Tennessee Wraith Chasers, uh, as well as world-renowned psychic medium Chip Coffee. These are these are people. They're world renowned. <laughs> <laughs> They're hit and world renowned. Yep. Um, follow they follow follow along as a team embarks on what is considered by many a dangerous search. They will explore each crevice of this terrifying home, from the attic to the basement, to find whatever or whomever has scared Americans to death for decades. The ghost hunting team will use a state-of-the-art technology to do daytime and nighttime investigations, documenting as much evidence as they can of these true-life demonic entities on live TV. So it's a exorcism of a home, not of a person. Right. Okay. Well, that seems slightly less ridiculous. I mean, still ridiculous. Yeah, and also slightly less entertaining. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I, these exorcism like these ghost shows my wife watches them all the time and I just sit there rolling my eyes because it's so such fucking nonsense <laughs> like the ghost hunters and yeah uh, douche baggins whatever his name is the guy on sci-fi yeah what is it, ghost adventures uh I think it's a maybe it is ghost I don't know it's ghost something or other Ghost Jinko jeans. I don't know. 
Seriously, dude wears like the baggiest fucking. They're not actual Jinkos, so it's not that bad. But dude wears wear these fucking giant baggy jeans because those are popular. Because he's a Chad. He is. He's, he's Chad. He's he's Chad Brochill. <laughs> but seriously, I think his name is like Zach. He's Zach Baggins. I think his name is Baggins. Baggins? Something? It doesn't matter. Uh, okay. But it's like, if you want to have a show and be taken seriously, you can't be that guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not that I would take a ghost chasing sh- show seriously to begin with, but anyway. What's anyway. your stance on that? Um, I used to watch Ghost Hunters, but then, like, all the ex cast members that started sh- showing how they did. A- everything on the show kind of turned me off and now I just I don't give a shit like basically debunking everything yeah yeah I mean that, that's, that's exactly it like especially in this uh, Ghost Adventures show they Ghost go- Adventures was always stupid to me because that's it, like on Ghost Hunters there was episodes where they would go to a house and they would find nothing and they lent, lent a little credence to it mm-hmm. but Ghost Adventures it's like every time the guy gets slashed across the back or something ridiculous happens. And Man, it's like, he's like, I felt something touch me, and now my skin burns. And now I have herpes. <laughs> Ghost herpes. It touched me in my bathing suit area. <laughs> Show us on the doll. <laughs> Where the ghost touched you. <laughs> okay, um, Destination America. Back to this. Uh, we'll also give viewers the opportunity to take an active live part in Exorcism <laughs> Live by following the multiple live camera feeds set up around the house online at destinationamerica.com viewers can track and report any mysterious anomalies they may see on their own screens throughout the special (laughs) (laughs) oh give me a fucking break Um, if you guys can't tell I uh, don't believe in ghosts at all and I I give no credit to any ghost hunter (laughs) ever um uh, the network also hosts a live uh, Twitter chat with select tweets appearing live on air. Uh, this is going to air on October 30th, which is Halloween Eve Eve. Mm-hmm. Halloween, Halloween Eve. All Hallows Ween Eve. <laughs> uh, at 9, 8 central. So, fun, fun stuff. So we're going to be live tweeting it. No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> I don't think I even have Destination America. I don't even know what Destination America is. It's a thing, apparently. It's world-renowned. Yeah. With hits or shows like <laughs> Ghost Asylum. Right. And TNA. I'm going to sue! Yes, I'm going to So I find this next story absolutely fucking hilarious. It's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> Just in its sheer ridiculousness. Yeah. Um, Paz de la Huerta. 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 <laughs> is suing the makers of the movie Nurse. <laughs> claiming that the film ruined her career. <laughs> Which is true. But Well, yeah. That, I don't know if, if they're the ones that are to blame. No. 
According to the suit, uh, De La Huerta was struck by an ambulance during filming and incurred a spinal injury. She threatened a workers' comp claim against Lionsgate, which, according to the suit, led to director Doug Aronofsky to bring in a voice actor to dub over several of De La Huerta's scenes. She claims a criticism of her acting, including that of the Grave Plot podcast, who is not specifically mentioned in the suit, no. stems from this fact. I mean, I remember we reviewed this movie a long time ago, and we pretty much shat all over it. Yeah. Uh, and our, one of our biggest complaints was Paz de la Huerta's yeah, acting. She is, like, abysmal. It's like it's like looking into a black hole watching her <laughs> watching her act. Well, apparently it wasn't her fault. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, according to TMZ, Maybe we should blame her parents. Let's go that far yeah. back. <laughs> Must do my parents for making me shitty. <laughs> according to TMZ, De La Huerta is now asking for the film to be redubbed with her voice, as well as fifty-five million dollars in damages. God. She's out of her fucking head. Yeah, she absolutely is. I think but you know she, what? She's going to get something. This is going to be settled. Oh, yeah. She, she's going yeah. to get more money than either of us have ever seen in our lives. Oh, yeah. Um, For being shitty. Yeah. It's like, you didn't do a good job, and now you're suing us because of that. <laughs> you, you're suing us for your incompetence. Yeah. That's a laugh. I would kind of like to see Lionsgate fight it. Uh, yeah. I, I just, don't think they will, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I'd say that maybe they would, like, save money by settling, but I don't know that they would. Depends on what they settle for, I suppose. Hmm? It depends on what they settle for. Well, sure, but, I mean, you have to... I mean, like, a lot of these suits, like, when somebody's suing someone else and it's going, it's going to court, but then they settle out of court, it's usually because... If they try to fight it, they know they're going to lose, and they're going to get taken to the cleaners, and like they're just going to lose more money. So they I mean, with these big companies, a lot of times it's just to save face because they don't want that a too. Yeah, yeah. Battle. Um. But yeah, I, it's I, I I'm I'm with you. I, I I would like to see that happen, but I don't think it's going yeah. to. <laughs> Oh my god, you guys. So, big fucking news right here. Something that we've been anticipating for so long. Something I didn't think would ever happen. No, I just... I, I had written it off. Yeah, I, ch- I chalked it up to the fact that... Never happening. Yep, too bad, so sad. Yeah. Uh, but, announced on the Movie Crypt podcast uh, two weeks ago? Yes. Um, Holliston is fucking coming back. It's back! Um, it's, I guess this was originally reported on Entertainment Weekly um, and has since been confirmed, like I said, on Movie Crypt Podcast and on Aeriscope.com. Um, it's going to be a 10-episode se- uh, season. Uh, it's going to premiere in the summer next year, so we still got a ways to wait. Yeah, a year, basically. Yeah. Um, 
but it's going to be on geeknation.com which for those of you who don't know is actually the, the host essentially of um, the Movie Crypt podcast which mm-hmm. is for those of you who don't know a podcast that Adam Green and Joe Lynch both host um, on geeknation.com <laughs> named after the television program from Holliston correct uh, so this is fucking exciting um like I said, we both had written it off, but we both wanted it to happen so bad. Yeah, and it's it's crazy that it's just going to be, like, free online. Yeah. Uh, after all that, t- I mean, like, they, they're so adamant about having a network to go to uh, so they can get, you know, get paid. Right. <laughs> and, like, how adamant they've been about selling their Blu-rays and their DVDs and stuff for the show, like, on, on the Movie Crypt podcast, um, for them to just basically give it away like this and it's like if he th- if Adam Green thinks he's his movies get pirated now just wait to, wait till I mean people are going to record it off the internet and then just burn it to a DVD yeah it's I mean it's going to be that simple you're basically handing it to them basically I mean I'm not complaining I, I love that it's on the internet because you I can watch it anywhere now well and like they said for for once everyone can watch it because like when it was on Fearnet, people were like, "Well, I don't have Fearnet. I can't get Fearnet. My comp- my cable provider doesn't have Fearnet." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, and people people in other countries and stuff. Yeah. Did, did you say that? No. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's something that they've mentioned several times before. That you know, people in other countries they pirate it all the time because their country is all that, that's the only way they could get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, I I wonder if they're gonna put up the first two seasons. Since they own the rights to the show, I don't know. Season one is on Hulu. That's it's true. It is. I kept waiting for season two to show up, but it yeah, I was didn't. really surprised that it never showed up anywhere. It's it's on iTunes and Amazon. It's the only places you can get them online. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not even on Google Play. No, no. Oh. I've tweeted them multiple times, being like, "Hey, you should put it on here. I'll buy it. I will give you money." <laughs> Maybe they don't see enough return from Google. Maybe. Um, Adam Green said uh, in the official release uh, said it's almost embarrassing to admit but there we were on a quest to find a new outlet for Holliston uh, where we could continue to creatively make our show our way but also have it distributed on a platform where absolutely anyone who wants to watch it can easily find and enjoy it and the answer was literally right in front of our noses the entire time referring to the fact that they were on geeknation.com yeah which is a fucking huge, like, online presence. Do they do much video, though? That I don't really, know. I've only really been familiar with them th- from podcasts. They do podcasts. I do. I think they do articles as well. That makes um, sense. But I haven't really investigated them all that much. But uh, either way, I mean, having a, a, a television series, that's that's breaking new ground for them. Oh, yeah. Um, Uh, Geek Nation CEO Claire Kramer said, With Holliston, Adam's creation embodies the definition of intellectual humor combined with pop culture creativity, creating what we believe is a cult phenomenon. Uh, we're excited to... To, we're excited to partner on the third season, which will bring the network quality serialized programming to De- Geek Nation for the first time. So, um, yeah, so this is fucking awesome. Um, it's going to be really weird to see where they go. Yeah, because, I mean, 
I mean, like, first of all, obviously, the elephant in the room, mm. Odorous Rungus. Yeah. What are they going to do with that character? How are they going to write him off? Is he going to, like, return to his home planet? Or and, and are they going to replace him? Is he going to have a new imaginary friend? Or I think it seems like in the past, uh, Green has been pretty adamant about not replacing him. Oh, has he? If I ever recall correctly, yes. Um, I know that he said that he planned originally had planned for season three to be very odorous heavy mm-hmm. um, having kind of a lot of his backstory almost um, so yeah where, where they're gonna go from there I don't know uh, plus spoiler alerts from season two if you haven't seen it uh, Corey's pregnant yeah and she should have a two-year-old by now <laughs> right <laughs> um, you know assuming the show is in real time yeah. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm fucking excited. <laughs> I, just I, come back in episode one, she's like, oh yeah, that, was, that didn't happen. Don't worry. There's a false alarm. Um, yeah, so... Summer 2016 cannot get here fast enough. Ron Paul, it's happening. Jeff. <laughs> back we talked about American Psycho the musical starring Matt Smith the doctor in the UK yes well it is American finally, Psycho in the UK yeah it is finally making its way to America uh, this is a, a new version of the musical written by musician Duncan Sheik Who I'm not really familiar with. I don't know what kind of music he does, but me neither. Uh, it's going to be directed by Rupert Gold and choreographed by June Page. It's going to run from February 19th, 2016, to March 21st, 16, in a yet-to-be-named Schubert Theater, but it will most likely be in New York. Yeah, makes not, sense. Not just because that's where musicals go, but because of the nature of the story. Yeah. Uh, and Patrick Bateman will be played by Benjamin Walker, who you may recognize as Abraham Lincoln from Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if, if this was coming anywhere near us, I might be interested in seeing it. But For I'm, sure. I'm not going to make a special trip to New York. Well, no. That's silly. Um, I wonder if uh, Walker's got any pipes. I mean, of, uh, I, I guess he must if he. They don't usually cast people in musicals they can't sing. Yeah. Well, sometimes they do. Sometimes, but not usually. When they just try to attach a name to it. I'm interested to see like how <clears throat> how this translates to a musical. Yeah, I mean it's it's very music heavy, like the the movie is. Yeah. So I wonder. I mean, is Patrick Bateman going to be singing "Hip to Be Hit to Be Square"? <laughs> I or? don't know. You know, walking around the office singing Walking on Sunshine. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, if anybody's seen the show, drop us a line and let us know how it went and kind of what what your experience is like. Yeah. Yeah. 
the last episode we had uh, three people on uh, from Luchagore Productions. Uh, real nice group of people. Mm-hmm. and um, Fun interview. Yeah, and after our interview, they went to... Um, shit. The Frontiers International Co-Production Market. That's the one. Um, and they went there with their uh, short for El Gigante. And as they mentioned in our interview, um, they're planning to make it a feature length. So they took uh, their short as kind of proof of concept um, and presented it. And they actually got picked up for distribution. Um or sorry, well, yes. Well, yeah. I, I mean, distribution, but also, you know, financing. I guess. Well, yeah. Um, to make the feature length by um, Raven Banner, which uh, which would be known for uh, Wolf Cop, uh, Hatchet Three, Monster Brawl, uh, Mexico Barbaro or Barbaro. Which features a short by Luchagor. Right. So they, they do have experience with Raven Banner already. Yeah. Uh, they also did Muck. But we don't, we don't talk about that. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> um, anyway, so yes, like Taylor mentioned, they're picked up at the Frontiers uh, International Co-Production Market. Uh, Raven Banner is going to serve as the uh, EP on the movie. Um, so, interesting fact. Two days after the episode of the Grave Plot podcast with Luchigor airs, they're picked up by Raven Banner Entertainment. I go to Raven Banner Entertainment's Twitter just to, to you know kind of familiarize myself with them. I see Raven Banner Entertainment follows you. Coincidence? I think not. You're welcome. <laughs> um, the team of GG. Raynor and Luke at Luchagor is one of the most exciting new production companies to come out of Canada, and we're excited to get in the ring with them," uh, said Raven Banner managing partner Michael Paz Past Past Pasted Past Blue Ribbon uh, producer Raynor Shima. Uh, you guys remember him? Said uh, Luchagor is proud to uh, pr- proud to further the strength in its bond with Raven Banner and the development of El Gigante by coming on as EP, worldwide sales, and Canadian distribution. The Frontiers market has been proving... God damn. I think I need my glasses. Uh, Frontiers market has been proving ground. A proving ground. God damn it. A proving ground for the future investment of upcoming filmmakers. That was rough. (laughs) So, uh, congratulations to them. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean... I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Yeah. you know, we're obviously big fans of their work, and... I mean, in our review of El Gigante, we, we talked about, even before we knew that it was going to be optioned for a full length, we said, this would be better as a full length. Mm-hmm. I, I see this in a broader scope. Yeah. And now it, now it's happening. Ron Paul, it's happening. Don Jeff. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like in, you know, we said, if, I think I think it was me that said, uh, they seemed like they had so much of a story, and they're trying to fit it into, like, 15 minutes 10 minutes however long mm-hmm. and it's just like it's too much you can't can't condense it that that much otherwise it just it doesn't make all the sense in the world right and that I think that was my there's definitely more story to tell there yeah 
And I think that was my biggest issue with El Gigante. It was that parts of it didn't make sense because there wasn't enough story attached to it. Yeah. So this is this is really nice that they're going to be a, a full feature length. And you know now it's it's really it's really going the ball the ball's rolling on it. So and it, it seems like it's it's still going to be El Gigante even though the story is actually just one chapter of a, a book by Shane McKenzie called Muerte con Carne. Well, I think the whole book is about this family. Right. I just thought maybe that if they went a full length, they might call it Muerte con Carne, but it seems like oh. they're still going with El Gigante as the, the title. I feel like that would make sense. Uh, sure. But anyway. I, tra- I tried to buy Muerte con Carne on Google Play, and it was all in German. <laughs> well, Google, you can automatically translate that, can you? Yeah, but you have to, like, highlight it hmm. and then click translate, so I would have to do that on every page. Ah. And plus, I, I like I tried it with like a, the first paragraph, and it's not the best translation. Right? Yeah, that's that's. They still haven't gotten those automatic translators like down yet. Well, yeah, because I mean, there's like context <clears throat> and stuff, you know, where how like you know in Spanish you would say like I don't know, I can't think of an example right now, but you would say like something is of something instead of putting the descriptor word in front of mm-hmm. the noun. Yes. Yeah. So stuff like that is kind of confusing when you're trying to translate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like you said, like, context and um, slang. Yeah. Like, um, colloquial But I thought terms. it was weird that it was German, because it seems like most of the people from Luchagor, and I, I don't know Shane McKenzie, but he, I got the impression that he was Spanish, considering the title of the book is in Spanish. <laughs> I got the impression that he was, like a white boy because of his last name. Well, yeah. But I mean, like I said, the, the title of the book is in Spanish. It's Muerte con Carne, Death sure. with Meat. Yeah. But yet the book is in German on Google Play for some reason. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. Peculiar. Indeed. Uh, so, yeah, we're both very excited for them. Congratulations, guys. Um, yeah. our, our offer to guest star holds. Yep. We'll, we'll get passports if you want. Yeah, we were actually talking about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it was in the interview. No, I mean, like, afterwards. Oh, yeah. So we actually kind of want to get, like, EIDs to just go hang out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I bet fucking Tristan Risk would just drink us under the table, though. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, uh, great for them. Uh, wish you guys luck, and love to have you back on the show, you know, as production picks up, so you guys tell us how things are going. Rob Zombie's Great American Nightmare Haunted Attraction is back for its second year. Um, it's going to be hosted at the Odium Expo Center in Villa Park, Illinois, again, same as last year. Uh, Rob Zombie said, I am thrilled to be bringing the Great American Nightmare back to the Chicago area for its second year. After last year's overwhelming response, we've decided to return with a completely new nightmare. It's more vile and disgusting than ever. Have fun. You know, he says that, and it sounds very similar to the one last year. <laughs> well, there's there's three attractions, just like there was last year. Two of them are returning, mm-hmm. and that's Captain Spaulding's Clown School in 3D. I don't know why that it needs to be specified that it's in 3D, because it exists in the world. 
and yeah. therefore is 3D by default. Yeah, you were moving through three dimensions It, it exists space. in three dimensions, yeah. yeah. In the third dimension. Anyways, uh, this irreverent mm. school of pure terror is a hallucinogenic trip through the mind of Captain Spaulding. Startle after startle will th- thoroughly frighten the bravest victim who won't know whether they should be screaming, laughing, or crying. Or pooping. Pee-pee. Hey, pee-pee in the pants. Dude, I almost did that last night driving home. You almost pissing your pants? It was very close. <laughs> like it was start like holding it was becoming painful. Because, uh, you know, we left we left, we left the, the bar and felt like a little tinge of having to go. I'm like, ah, I just hold it till I get home. And Did that, your mother teach you nothing on long car rides when you were a kid? It was not that long, it was like half an hour. You always go before you you go. Yeah, well. anyway. uh, the second house is the devil's rejects. The murderous backwoods fire fa- fire. I remember doing this last year too. <laughs> fire, five, five, five. Firefly family takes to the road to escape a vengeful police force that isn't afraid of being as ruthless as its target. Guests will become part of the state trooper search and destroy mission against the Firefly family. Hey, who are wanted for over seventy-five homicides and disappearances. And then the new house, replacing the Lords of Salem house. Because that was a shit fit. <laughs> well, there might be a sequel. Because Rob Zombie says, blah, 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 Mr. Disgusting. <laughs> the new house is 31. <laughs> On October 30th, 1975, five carnival workers were kidnapped and held hostage until the following night, which would be Halloween. Hey. Where they are put in a compound named Murder World. They're told that they are here to take part in a game named 31, where the goal is to survive the past the next 12 hours. This is made difficult by the fact that they are not alone in Murder World. A violent gang of evil clowns are there and stalking their every move. Okay, that's a description of the movie. So what's the haunted house? Yeah. Is it just Murder World? I guess. That does seem to lend itself to a haunted attraction. It does, yeah. I mean, the the movie itself seems like it's just a haunt. Yeah. Um, also coming back will be Bloody Boulevard, which is a series of carnival rides, freak shows, music, roaming characters, food and beverages, games, and vendors. Rob Zombie will kick off um, the whole Great American Nightmare with two concerts on October 2nd and 4th. The event runs Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, and select Thursdays from September 25th through November 1st. Tickets are on sale now. Yes. And that's, what is it, greatamericannightmare.com? Yes. It certainly is. So there you go. If you're in Chi-Town, go check it out. Let us know how it is. Send us a fucking periscope of it. Yeah. I don't think you can send periscopes. It's live. Why can't you send periscopes? Because it's live. It's live stream. I mean, we would... They, they couldn't, like, record it and send it to us is what I'm saying. Oh, got it. Right. Yes. Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Uh, so Bruce Campbell, you know him as Bruce, Brucey. That's what I call him, <laughs> or Ash. Um, is hosting his own uh, horror film festival. Uh, this is going to be his second one, I believe. Uh, it's running August twentieth through the twenty third in Movico, Illinois, during Wizard World Chicago. Why is everything awesome in Chicago? I don't know. 
my, girl, my girlfriend just got back from Chicago and she said she loved it, so she wants to go back. Probably not this month, but no, probably not. Uh, <clears throat> but seriously, so much shit happens in Chicago. Chicago, it's like what what the hell's going on? Michael Wait. Jordan, huh? Michael Jordan. He's the reason. Yeah, he's the reason all the cool things happen in Chicago. Yeah, Chicago would be nothing without him. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, you got Great American Nightmare. You got um, I mean this uh, the, the Hornfield Festival, and um, was it? Uh, didn't the Blackhawks just win the Stanley Cup, too? I don't fucking know. I don't watch hockey. <laughs> um, no, the, there's the, the big horror con there. Was, uh, uh, flash, of, flashback weekend. Is that it? Something like that. I don't know. Anyway, there's a big bitch in horror convention there. I don't remember what it's called. CM Punk is from there. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, so, yes, this is the second annual event. Uh, the festival director, Josh Goldblum, said... With this program covered just about all of our favorite scary things. Vampires, psychotic breakdowns, cannibals, killer dogs, contagious diseases, mummies, bad decisions, and easily the most evil half-man, half-bunny rabbit of all time. I wonder um, if that's the, um... Oh, the, there, there was a movie that screened with El Gigante that was called, like, Killer Bunny Thing or something like that. I wonder if that's that's what they're t- that's what that is. It is, in fact. Oh, there um, you go. Wait, we'll a bunny, that. the killer thing. There it is. Yes, we'll get to that in a sec. Uh, Bruce added, uh, "You can have your rom coms, your indie." There he is, the little guy. <laughs> Should I do? Uh, I was going to do a Bruce impression, but I don't know how to do a Bruce impression. Yes, to guy your chin. <laughs> I can't talk like that. Uh, he said, you can have your rom-coms, your indie darlings, and your blockbusters. I'll take a good old-fashioned horror movie any day or night of the week. Uh, opening night features a screening of Tales of Halloween. Nice. Fuck! We'll see it in October, don't worry about uh, it. Uh, also premiering will be Contracted Phase 2. Uh, the Pack and Bunny the Killer Thing. Uh... Also, a 30th anniversary screening of Fright Night with Tom Holland. Okay, that's pretty fucking sweet. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be there for the film, and he's going to do a Q&A afterwards. Um, then they're doing a screening of Bubba Hotep, of course, followed by a Q&A discussion with Bruce. That's pretty fucking sweet, too. <laughs> I'm saying... We're getting dicked out here, man. Uh, we saw Bruce was at My Name is Bruce, though, and he did a Q&A. Yeah, I know, but that was so long ago. <laughs> I want to be near him again. <laughs> I want to party with you! <laughs> I need to feel his energy. Uh, Bruce, come back to Seattle. We miss you. <laughs> uh, screenings are free for the Wizard World badge holders. Uh, space permitted. Badges? We don't need no stinking badges. Which is half true. Um, a limited number of festival badges and sing well, I guess you do need a badge. Uh, and single tickets are available for fans who are not registered for Wizard World. Uh, festival badges are on sale for a hundred dollars, and screening single screening tickets are available for twelve. Not a bad deal. Yeah. Um, to purchase badges or tickets, and view festival schedule updates, visit bchff.com. Bruce Campbell Horror Film Festival. Very good. I'm guessing. 
That's probably it. It could be like, bitches can holla from far. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably not that. Before we get started, I just want to tell you that I love the song that I made for this. <laughs> you, you guys may have noticed that every time we talk about Ghostbusters, uh, I, there's a there's a special version that I that I put together. The first probably dozen times I heard it, I just laughed my ass yeah. off. It's yeah, I don't just laugh out of con- like out of control like I used to, but it's still funny every yeah. time. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like we've been talking about Ghostbusters uh, ad nauseum, keyword being nauseum. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like there may be more happening than just the all-female Ghostbusters. Despite what we've been previously told. Right. We just said, mm-hmm. I think it was two two or three episodes ago, Channing Tatum said that, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And previously, before that, Chris Pratt said, no, I'm not involved with that. Yeah. Um, but screenwriter Drew Pierce tells MTV that he has written a quote-unquote Bible. He said he doesn't have a script, but he's written a Bible for a, a larger Ghostbusters universe. Um, when, he was, when he was asked if Chris Pratt and Channing Tatum are still involved, he said, That's definitely the cast we've been thinking about as we approach the project. Whether that happens or not is very much above my pay grade. It's just my job to give them something exciting that maybe they'll do. Uh, when asked if it would cross over with the all-female Ghostbusters, a.k.a. Gashbusters. Where did that come from again? Who goes there? It's <laughs> so offensive. <laughs> uh, Pierce said, My personal inclination is to try and make everything occur in the same Ghostbusters universe because I feel, as a fan, that's what I want. Standing here in New York, you just want to tie it all together. Whether that happens or not, we'll see, but I've certainly given them the tools to do that, I hope. Obviously, it's top secret, but there's a gigantic, bold idea that I came up with, and the Russo brothers, who did Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and are doing Civil War at the moment, and Ivan Reitman, who did the original movie, are going to take that and run with it. Obviously, I cannot tell you what that is, but hopefully in one year's time, you'll know. Oh, we'll know. We know everything. We are the Grave Plot Podcast. (laughs) We are (laughs) all-knowing. Omnipotent. Uh, Pierce then went on Twitter and said, For the record, my Ghostbusters idea has a mixed gender team. Also, ghosts of all classes, one to seven. I don't know what that means, but it's very inclusive that way. Hey, you know what? That would have been an awesome movie. Yeah, that's almost sounds like a little bit of a dig. Oh, I th- think it is. At Paul Feig, who I found out it's actually Feig. Is it Feig? That's what, uh, that's what Jason Siegel said. Oh, well, all right. Yeah, and he would know, so. Yeah. Um, Ivan Reitman then added, There has been a lot of excitement recently about what is happening with the Ghostbusters franchise. As the producer of the new Ghostbusters film, I feel the need to clarify. There is only one new Ghostbusters movie, and that is the Paul Feig-directed version coming next July, presently filming and going fantastically. The rest is just noise. He's like, oh, I'm a cop sucker. He didn't deny anything. All he said is there's currently one movie. He didn't say we have plan. We don't have plans for anything in the future. All he said is, right now, there's only one movie, which is 
not in question at all. Yeah, and even if he didn't want this other movie, uh, I'm pretty sure Sony owns everything. <laughs> yeah, Sony owns you, Evan yeah. Raymond. So Sony's going to make that call. Yeah, not so um, it's interesting to me <clears throat> that Sony saw the Marvel Universe and went, we need something like that. How about Ghostbusters? <laughs> really? That's that's the choice? <laughs> that's what you decide to use for your massive universe? Well, I mean, they could have attempted to do something like that, but, I mean, their properties, you know, over the time, uh, uh, had a brain fart here. Over time, Sony has... Um, Sorry, Marvel. Shit. I'm still really tired. I, was, I slept like maybe six hours. Um, anyway, um, Marvel, you know, cl- started collecting up all the properties. They used to be scattered. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of uh, Fox still. Sony used to have Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, they, they still do. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like Fox still has X-Men and Fantastic Four and all the properties related to those. Um. So, um, and I, New Line, New Line is a, uh, New, New Line's Warner Brothers, right? No, Paramount. I don't know. Is that right? Shit. It doesn't matter. I can't keep track of all these parent companies and yeah, subsidiaries. Yeah, so incestual. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, New Line had Blade. Yeah. Um, so it, it, they're all over the place, uh. And, you know, like I said, just Sony just sacrificed their one superhero property. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So now they're going to make Ghostbusters into superheroes or something. Yeah. It's the only thing they own outright, I guess. I guess. <laughs> so we'll see where that goes. If, if, they make, if they make this movie and they actually get Chris Pratt and Channing Tatum, I'd be into it. I've, I've said this before. I would be excited about it. I would love to watch it. Could be cool. Because <laughs> uh, I really like Chris Pratt. I think he's awesome. Um, Channing Tatum has grown on me. Like, the Jump Street movies are fucking hilarious. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good when he keeps his shirt on. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, if they make it, cool. I'll be happy for it. If not, cool. Yeah, I'm not gonna be butthurt if they don't. No, definitely not. <laughs> uh, I, you know, we'd be in the same position we were right now a year ago, right? <laughs> Before all of this just went to shit. Thank you, Paul Feig. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> We're coming up on a new television, uh, fall television season here. Um, in, well, I guess, uh, about a month. Probably the earliest shows will start be starting. Yeah. Early part of September. Um, and there's a handful of new horror genre shows. Um, start out with, CBS ordered 13 episodes of Brain Dead. Uh, it's a straight-to-series order, so this is probably going to be like a mid-season replacement. 13, probably. 13 episodes, I would think. Or, unless they have a mid-season replacement for this. 
I don't know. We'll see. TV seasons are so hard to keep track of anymore. I know. Um, but is a, it is a straight-to-series order. Um, it's written by Robert and Michelle King, uh, who are from The, the Good Wife. Uh, and it's EP'd by Kings, oh, by the Kings, and uh, Ridley Scott and David Zucker and Liz, Liz Glotzer. Some names there. Well, I know Ridley Scott, yeah. David Zucker. I don't know who that is. It's a weird, that's an odd combination, Ridley Scott and David Zucker. Who's David Zucker? The Zucker brothers did, like, the airplane movies and Top oh. Secret. <laughs> yeah, and then you put in the the writers from The Good Wife. That's Yeah. It's an odd odd combo. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but, uh, see, uh, Brain Dead follows a young, fresh-faced Hill... Capitol Hill staffer um, getting her first job in Washington, D.C. and discovering two things. The government has stopped working and alien spawn have come to Earth and eaten the brains of a growing number of congressmen and Hill staffers. This might be a legitimate thing that's happening right now. (laughs) It it, it just makes me think of the brain slugs from Futurama. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We wanted to do a show that was a mix of genre pulp and highbrow politics. The string crossed with West Wing, uh, said executive producers Robert and Michelle King. Uh, it seemed like the best way to address the news news today, not straight, but as the opening act of a horror movie. Uh, Robert and Michelle have developed an intriguingly original concept with layers of humor, suspense, and supernatural, said Nina Tassler, chairman of CBS Entertainment. Uh, we look forward to launching it to the U.S. viewers and a worldwide audience next summer. Oh, so this is going to be a summer show. Yes. Okay. Well, that makes more sense than 13 episodes then. Yes. <coughs> and that will begin in summer of 2016. Uh, second new show is Brooklyn Animal Control. This is going to be brought to you by the USA Network. Um, for those of you who don't know, Brooklyn Animal Control is actually an adaptation of a comic. The pilot is being written by J.T. Petty. Brooklyn Animal Control follows the inner workings of a secret subdivision of the NYPD that functions as social services for some of the city's most unique citizens, werewolves. Delving into the lives of both the case officers and the secretive, highly insular Kveldolf a community of werewolves living deep in the borough, Brooklyn Animal Control will examine city oh, politics... Fell. What? Kvel. Yiddish. Okay. <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> uh, Excuse the Yiddish. You made me lose my place. Brooklyn Animal Control will examine city politics, immigrant communities, and families divided by ambition, secrecy, and tradition. Ah, social commentary. Of course. Uh, the executive vice president of original programming for USA, Jackie DeCrinis, says fans of the comic book know that Brooklyn Animal Control is a thriller anchored inside the world of New York organized crime families. At its core, it is a family drama, albeit an unconventional one. Uh, no schedule for that as of yet. Uh, next, we got a sci-fi show because um, everybody loves sci-fi shows. Uh, it's called Blood Drive. Uh, from the press release, we know that Sci-Fi and Universal Cable Productions today announced they have greenlit Blood Drive, a high-octane, <laughs> high over-the-top scripted series and classic grindhouse movie tradition. Set in a near-apocalyptic future, the 13-episode series centers around L.A.'s last good cop. So Mad Max? <laughs> yeah. Is that what I'm getting? Um, 
who was forced to join a twisted, gory, cross-country death race. So, death race. Yeah. (laughs) With cars powered by blood and and a dangerous femme femme fatale partner who sees people as fuel. Well, yeah, if cars run on blood, then technically people would be fuel. Who came up with this shit? Um, Well, it's from executive producers John Hlavin. From, from Underworld Awakening and The Shield, and David Strayton from Bates Motel and Hemlock Grove, and Strayton is also directing. Okay, I mean... Oh, here you go. The, the, the pilot is written by James Rowland, under Hlavin's supervision. I don't know who that is. He's a, he's a writer. All right. I don't know. Probably. Uh, Fred, uh, Frederick Malmberg from Conan the Barbarian and Mark Wheeler are producers. Okay. Uh, Dave Howe, president of Sci-Fi and Schiller, said uh, this highly stylized roller coaster ride is a throwback to 1970s grindhouse cinema, with a fast-paced thrills and indie feel. Blood Drive will make an exciting and edgy addition to Sci-Fi's growing state of original scripted series. Uh, the grindhouse cinema style remains largely untapped in television. The combination of gritty action and dark humor can push the envelope. It's some fun and unexpected ways. Uh, that was Jeff Watchell, uh, the chief content officer of NBC Universal. Um, he also said, uh, Blood Drive has all these elements and more. We're looking... Sorry. We're excited to be partnering with John Clavin and <laughs> David Strayton to bring this cool action-packed series to life. Well, I tell you, I'm real excited about <laughs> this high octane over the top <laughs> roller coaster ride of a series on sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> I don't it's it's an interesting premise. I I guess. I don't know. I I, I think I'll check it out. Blood for fuel. Yeah. Hmm. I swear there's a movie that does that already. But I can't think of what it is. I don't know. I know that if you put blood in a combustion engine, you are fucked. But it, well, it's post-apocalyptic, so so science ad- advances. Technology. <laughs> science and technology advances in a post-apocalyptic world. Maybe it devances to the point where they have to like Mickey Mouse an engine together, and the only thing that will make it run is blood. Mickey Mouse it so yeah. like. Just something that doesn't actually work in real life. They just, you know, put it together. Things that shouldn't work together, and they just make it work. Mm. I don't know, man. I'm calling bullshit on this one. Well, all we can do now is wait and see. I guess. You wait, I'll see, because it sounds like you don't want to watch it. No, I don't. (laughs) I'm interested. I'm going to check it out. Uh, Some remains for you. Hellboy 3 is probably not going to happen, much to the chagrin of Ron Perlman. Who has been crying for it on social media? Uh, Guillermo del Toro said at Comic Con that it's highly unlikely that the film would cost about 120 million dollars, and no one wants to give them any money. He says it's far beyond Kickstarter, and it would be great to complete the trilogy. But in a way, I don't see the world, the industry, supporting that idea. That's fair. I mean, uh, Friday the 13th, writer. Turns in a first draft. Hey, progress! Uh, yeah. Sure. Small steps. <laughs> Baby steps. Uh, Nick Antosha uh, confirmed this on Twitter. Uh, 
it's not going to be a continuation, as we've said many times before, of the 2009 remake. It's still scheduled for May 13th, even though the first draft of the movie has been just turned in. That gives them less than a year to do everything. Yeah. They haven't even done pre-production yet. They got a cast still. Mm Mm-hmm. Pre-production, uh, uh, scout locations, what? film the damn thing. Yeah, uh, and then edit, post. color correct, uh, A and R, all that stuff. Then you got to do PR for it. I don't see it. No, 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 no. When was the next Friday the Thirteenth? Do we check into this? I don't think we actually did. Was, I want to say it was like August or something. You know that sounds right. Uh, but okay. so it'll probably be pushed till then. We'll let you know when that happens. Yeah. Um, oh, fucking hell. Sharknado 4 has already been greenlit. Stop watching these movies, people. Stop encouraging them. You're, so, you're, something like 1.4 million people watched Sharknado 3, and it just blew up social media. Um, Tara Reed's character's fate is being left in the hands of the fans. You can either you know you all want her dead. You can either use the hashtag April Lives or hashtag April Dies on social media, or you can vote at sci-fi.com slash Sharknado3. I encourage you all to do hashtag April Dies, because hopefully when more characters die, that's less of a chance of another movie. Yeah. Uh, God, just so awful. How, I don't know how you, you can suffer through one movie, let alone four. I, I don't know. Read the next one, though. Uh, speaking of fucking stupid remakes, sci-fi has... Sci-fi... Remakes. Or, or sorry, sequels. Uh, sci-fi... Sci-fi. Uh, has greenlit Lavalanchula 2. Because we needed another one. Uh, it's tentatively tiled, titled... Wait for it. The numeral two. Lava. Numeral two. Lantula. Two lava, two two lantula. Lantula Lantula is not a word. Nope. (laughs) Lava lantula is not a word. And you can't have something too lava. You're not like, oh, this volcano is too lava. (laughs) No. Lava is not an adjective. (laughs) Um... It's going to premiere during Sci-Fi's 2016 Sharknado Week. Which is a thing. This is the world we live in, people. <laughs> this is what the human this race is, has come this to. This is what you have done. You should all be ashamed of yourselves. Oh, Christ. Um, the plan is to bring back most of the same cast, including the Goots. <laughs> Carrie uh, Mahoney himself. Yep. Steve Gutenberg. And the great Hambino. <laughs> I don't even know the kid's real name. I don't either. He's not a kid anymore. But he's barely, well, except for his, like, big bug eyes. Like, he's barely recognizable. He's a lot skinnier. Yeah, he's very thin now. Um, I wouldn't call him svelte, but he's lost a lot of weight. Yeah. He's not a little butterball like he was when <laughs> a kid. Um, the Crow remake is likely done. Uh, sources from... It's tits up! 
Sources from the movie tell Screen Daily that production has been suspended, most likely because of Relative, Relativity Media's recent Chapter 11 filing. Oh, most likely? That, that might be why? <laughs> <laughs> Although a source close to Relativity told Screen Daily that the company still intends to move forward with producing and releasing The Crow. Uh, so we'll see about that. Mm, I'm calling bullshit. Uh, I just I hope this stays dead. Yeah, this didn't need to be done. And every time something happened, it just seemed like it was getting worse. Yeah, at some point you got to just pack it in and say this. There's there's just too much standing in our way. Yeah, you're losing money by attempting to do this. Yeah. Uh, Nosferatu. We talked about uh, what's his face getting his head stolen. Yeah. Well, now the F. Rem- w. Murnau. Yeah. Um, now uh, Nosferatu is getting a remake. I've actually seen people suggesting that the reason his head was stolen is somehow related to this movie. That's a stretch. Yeah, like some like uh, Studio Eight is the studio developing us. Like they're gonna like go out and steal somebody's fucking head for promotion <laughs> for a movie. Come on. Come on. Anyway, uh, it's being directed by Robert Eggers, uh, who I guess was the director of The Witch. I'm not familiar with that one. Uh, it's being developed by Studio 8. Uh, it's not related to the Doug Jones project on Kickstarter, which I believe failed, if I remember right. Uh, I'm not sure, but I know that was it was a it was a remix, which means they were going to like put Doug Jones in the original movie. Yeah, that's right. This, yeah, yeah. this is a full remake. Um. Uh, it's a. I don't know who this quote is from. I think, I think it's from the press release. Okay, uh, a visceral adaptation of F. W. Murnau's uh, 1922 silent film masterpiece that brings the horrific, horrific vampire of Eastern European folklore back to the screen. So, all right, there's that. I wonder if it's going to be a modernization or if it's going to be like a like a direct remake. I don't know. Uh, the Five Nights at Freddy's movie that we talked about before is, has found a director, Yay. and it's Gil Keenan, the producer of the Poltergeist remake. Producer? Uh, director. Sorry. Did I say producer? Yes. Oh, I guess I saw Poltergeist and said producer. Right? He's the director of the remake of Poltergeist. Uh, he is writing the script along with Tyler Burton Smith. Not really familiar with him. Uh, the movie will be produced by Roy Lee, the producer of The Ring, The Gurge, and Godzilla. Gurge. As well as Seth Graham Smith, who is fucking everywhere. Apparently. Busy guy. Uh, Scream, the TV series, has been picked up for season two. Yay. Uh, it has been a wonderful experience working with Bob Weinstein. And his team, who are such connoisseurs of this genre, connoisseurs of money, let's, <laughs> let's be fucking real here. Uh, we are thrilled by how our viewers have responded to the reinvention of Scream, <clears throat> said MTV's EVP of series development and head of scripted programming, Mina Lefevre... Fervre... Fervre... We promise even more scares, surprises, romance, and of course, kills in season two. Added Bob Weinstein, co-chairman of the Weinstein Company and Dimension Films. Speaking of which, have you heard what else got picked up for season two? I did not. Fear the Walking Dead. What? Yep. 
just announced this morning. Uh, the the season one has not even premiered yet. It premieres August twenty third, I believe. But it's already been picked up for season two. What? Why do they do that? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. But apparently they they have high hopes for it. And that's it for horror business. That is all horror business. Um, <clears throat> so we're building up building up some steam here. We've got another interview, guys. We're making it happen. Um, should be a good one. Uh, we are talking to the guys who did a comic book called Blood and Gourd. Um, we'll call them local guys because they're from Oregon, but, you know, Pacific Northwest. So um, let's jump into that interview and see what they have to say. This is Taylor of Terror. And Skeletoni. For comic Blood and Gourd. Go ahead and introduce yourself, fellas. And I'm D.H. Schultes, and I have the same co-writer, co-creator thing going on. Uh, nice to have you. Absolute pleasure. So, um, yeah, Blood and Gourd, uh, we both read through it. It's it's a great comic, I mean. <laughs> the, oh, thank you. Um, I mean, everything, like the story, the art, all, all of it just works really well together, and it's it's pretty awesome so it's definitely something new and uh and pretty pretty out there but in a, in a cool way yeah but cool. at, at the same time it almost seems like it's a little familiar at the same time true yeah it's got kind of that old school feel that's awesome because that that's definitely where we were where we were shooting at you know trying to breathe new life but where it was going to be familiar you know pumpkins halloween like that's yeah exactly. it's all already there so sure and you know we're always you know we're we're big you know uh, punk rock fans and stuff. And if you can get a little bit of that Sex pistol sound into into your new band, I mean that's how you do it, right? Sure. sure yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, where did you guys? I mean, where did you guys get into horror? I mean, what what started that all off for you? Well, for me, I mean, as far back as I can remember, um, you know, and I, I go back pretty far. Um, <laughs> I remember uh, seeing movies like The Return of the Living Dead and uh, Night of the Creeps and Reanimator and things like that on on cable, you know, late at night and uh, just falling in love with 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 something that had all this creativity to it because, you know, it wasn't all about, you know, sex and violence. It was about uh, supernatural monsters and just all this really weird stuff that was going on and uh, kind of that whole, you know, uh, blue velvet david lynch thing where everything looks fine on the surface but underneath all this really weird shit's trying to make its way into our world you know yeah. just weird stuff like that and i remember spending a lot of time drawing comic books myself you know and just really just i love the creativity of it but then i also love the fact that when it was time to go to bed i was terrified so i got two things out of it nice yeah those yeah the, oh, sorry those those three movies that you talked about a lot of all three of those uh, when when things like really the shit hits the fan and like things getting really gory, those are just like over the top. Like all three of those movies, just really crazy. <laughs> right, right. So I think that actually translates into your into your book 
like pretty directly like things like people's heads exploding and stuff <laughs> <laughs> then we're doing our job there you go yeah for yeah. sure the everyday day at the pumpkin farm gone bad yeah <laughs> and you know for me i think it goes into a lot of my 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 introduction to horror and when i first became a horror fan actually has like a specific day for me without getting too nostalgic but, uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of it does has to do with like uh doing what my mom told me not to do i was never allowed to watch r-rated movies which most good horror movies are Mm r-rated so uh definitely like sneaking out over at friend's house and telling we were doing something else while we were really watching uh trauma movies was a thing in my youth nice um so that's like toxic avenger sergeant kabuki man just the crazy crazy stuff like tromeo and juliet and (laughs) just being being able to watch something that wasn't like anything else and didn't pull punches and just went crazy and had fun, I think was a lot of what I really liked about horror. And then I also really liked the other side of horror, like uh, Alien and Aliens. I've always been a big science fiction fan, so those, the Alien trilogy, like really does it for me. Where there's this great mix of really wild, crazy, beasty monsters, uh, and then it's all in space and you know. Yeah, that side of things that I really like to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, the I, I, you're talking about trauma movies. I can remember watching Toxic Avenger for the first time when I was probably about six or seven years old. <laughs> the fuck were you doing watching Toxic Avenger <laughs> at six years old? <laughs> <laughs> but not like was... watching it and not really know what the hell I was watching, but I knew I loved it. <laughs> Right, right. Oh, man. That was the and friend that... of mine. You were the friend of mine who showed that to me then. Because <laughs> that was the specific day was Toxic Avenger. And it was the last day of junior high school. First day of summer vacation. So you weren't six or seven. <laughs> no, no, I was not six or seven. But he was like, this is one of my favorite movies. And I was like, your parents let you watch this? <laughs> but, but I wasn't going to be a dork and not watch it. So sure. I was like, okay. You don't want to be that asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my mom watched a lot of horror when I was growing up, too, and um, I remember she used to make more of an effort when I was really young. I remember a really memorable Halloween was uh, my mom was watching Halloween 2 on Showtime or something, and I remember I, I was allowed to listen while I was sorting my, my Halloween candy out, but I wasn't allowed to watch it. And I got to <laughs> tell you what, man, with, you know, John Carpenter's synthesizer music and all, like, the crazy sound effects, and, and you know, I think I got more out of watching that movie. Not Imagination is the scariest thing, so. Absolutely. So uh, Lots well, of address that, but we didn't want to just completely rely on nostalgia because, you know, that can be poisonous. I'm from, whose idea was it, and where, like, <clears throat> what kind of inspired it? You know, and Jens might not take credit, but I think in a lot of ways, uh, the pumpkin horror idea project to work on together, and that one sounded like the most fun of all the projects we had going. Our many conversations in our living rooms or in coffee shops just trying to make that monster set work. I think that was one of the first, really what we were trying to do was make up a new monster mythos, like a new, uh, that wasn't uh, zombies or vampires or any of these things that have been done really, really well, but have been done. And you know how they work. We wanted to really get into like, what's that, uh, you know, what's under the carpet and what hasn't been done before, but all the, the evil that you don't know about and don't know how it, uh, how it might kill you. Yeah, I, I, I really picked up on that. I mean, like, in, in respect to that, because nowadays, you, I mean, like, you think of, like, two big horror guys as far as, like, horror um, literation. 
think of like Max Brooks and you got George Romero. They both are working on two completely different comic series that are zombies versus vampires. <laughs> and like these these two guys are working on the same thing essentially, but they're they're separate. So like you're talking about, you know, vampires and zombies just basically like polluting the horror genre. So seeing something that's fresh and original like Blood and Gourd, it's uh refreshing. So <laughs> Well, you know, and we were getting sick of listening to ourselves complain all the time about the state of horror and the state of film in general. You know, it's just it's all reboots, remakes, just garbage of just let's do this over and over again with a formula that's perfectly safe. And, you know, when we first started making comics and we started doing interviews, we were like, well, we should tone it down a notch and not really let any of that vitriol go too far. But, you know, it's kind of hard not to because I know that just the reaction we've gotten with Blood and Gourd, obviously people are dying for some new ideas and I just wish more people would take some chances because I feel like we're just desperately need some something. It doesn't have to reinvent the wheel or anything, but just something that makes people go, wow, yeah, that, that hits the right spot. I, you know, I needed something new. Mm-hmm. Were there any, uh, any movies or comics or anything else that directly inspired Blood and Gourd? I would say that it's a culmination of, of, of an entire lifetime of watching horror movies and reading comic books, you know. Um, there's a million little tiny references, even in that first issue, um, of just like little, just to set the setting and, and things like that. Things that aren't right in your face and obvious, but there's lots of little nods to a lot of different films and stuff in, in Blood and Gourd for sure. Uh, I remember we, we saw you guys at Crypticon, and we, we first got turned on to you by Kat from the Horror Honeys, and she told us to go check you guys out, and she described it as Attack of the Killer Tomatoes with pumpkins. Was there any, any influence there? Uh, we David, that, were you, you, know, in, were you inspired we by Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? And, and, uh, Kat's, Kat's awesome, by the way. Big, big, big shout out oh, to yeah. Kat. We no, adore them. We adore everybody in the, the Horror Honeys. <laughs> but they're great. And Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, I think, is one of those movies that I didn't really remember seeing and being like, wow, this is really different from any other movie. So if that's an inspiration, I think that's part of the inspiration. But there's there's so much more to come in the series, and this might just be from, you know, the the privilege of being the writer and knowing Jensen, I knowing where the series go, where it's not gonna end up uh, being like a, a, a Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. But I think there's something to be said about the movie that disarms you. That's like by its title, you know, like when you go in to watch Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, you pretty much agreed that it's not gonna take itself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's definitely part of that genre and part of film that affects Blood and Gourd because of the, just to take the title, you know, like Blood and it's you know what it's going to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. And yeah, Killer Pumpkins have their 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 limitation of of how serious you can take a story too. But um, like you know, once again, going back to the Return of the Living Dead and Night of the Creeps, I feel like uh, especially more Night of the Creeps, you've got it's it's a horror comedy or even Shaun of the Dead. But still, the characters know that the stakes are real. You know, that's why I can't really get into movies like Sharknado that are just like, oh, look how jokey and funny we are and self-aware we are. Because I have to at least believe that the characters think that their lives are in peril. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was talking earlier about just being like really over the top with like like gore and, and violence and, and action. And you guys having a lot of that in Blood and Gourd. But also, like you said, horror comedies having a little bit of that kind of wackiness. It, the, those kinds of movies and, and uh, you know horror comedies tend to have. 
uh, just <laughs> so th- things that make you kind of think, oh, oh my god, is that really happening? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I and, think you know, that's and, a lot of the comic. Oh, go ahead. Book. Oh, sorry. Yeah, like a lot of the comic book influence on that too, like the EC comic Crypt Keeper stuff, where this always, always kind of like this wry smile beyond everything that's happening Mm -hmm. but it's so messed up yeah like why are we laughing about this but at the same time like that's just how people are when they're scared too like they scream or they laugh exactly yeah they're hilarious when they're scared i mean that's the funniest (laughs) stuff in the world but also you know it kind of speaks to a, a place that i loved about silver age marvel comics and things like that where you've got the green goblin who's my one of my favorite you know uh villains of all time and he's got all this really gimmicky crap you know he's got his pumpkin bombs and all that kind of stuff but at the same time what i love it is when you can take something as as hokey as like the amazing spider-man and riding flying around on jet gliders and shit like that but still you've got a story of like the death of gwen stacy and i feel like comics more so then than now had this opportunity to be ridiculous but still have an emotional punch to the gut yeah definitely and that's kind of where we were trying to go with this as well i i miss kind of the goofiness uh you know of, of of some of those earlier comic book movies i feel like in some ways we want too much out of shows like daredevil it's like on one hand we want a gritty realistic hell's kitchen depiction on the other hand we still want it to be daredevil you know it's like you almost have to decide which direction you want to take that i don't know if it works so well being in two at the same time yeah i i definitely get that um there's there's a lot of that kind of <clears throat> zaniness and like you said you know it's like kind of humor and, and lightheartedness that isn't a lot especially older comics as opposed mm-hmm. to today um, that like you know you mentioned Daredevil but like any of the like the TV series they take themselves so seriously and right yeah. um, actually it, there seems to be a little bit of uh, uh, relief on like the Flash I don't know if you guys watch that or not. I have it, but I've heard really good things about about it as a series. I need to check it out. I really enjoy it personally, um, but uh, I mean that's that's another podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, then, you know, it looks like Supergirl might have a little bit of that the, kind of recapture that lightheartedness that seems to be missing from a lot of uh, uh, superhero movies and TV nowadays. But yeah, I think, and we're it just has to be just enough. I think that's one of the things of trying to work with. You know, some of the challenges of comic book making is making it like just enough humor, but not so much to totally take away from all the, uh, you know, all the drama and all the potential like real terror that it would be exist if pumpkins started jumping up on people's heads and killing them like at a pumpkin farm that would be horrific but also ludicrous at the same time you know we uh, we keep referencing the story why don't you actually you guys actually tell us what the book is about (laughs) so people know do you want to break it down sure i'll break down the first issue i mean basically the setup is this is that uh it was an ordinary Halloween, and where did best to spend Halloween but the pumpkin farm out in Thurston County, Washington. And uh, pick your favorite pumpkin with your with your mom, and try to get through a day with your family. And then uh, <laughs> the giant the giant pumpkin contest turns out to be a a, a setup of some kind, and uh, all hell breaks loose. the 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 pumpkins have been apparently being manipulated by some freaking sunglasses. And there's been there's a corporate buyout happening. The family's losing the farm, and so Kitty Henderson is in this position of like, what the hell am I even defending? Like, but 
you know, people are dying around her, and she she picks up a pitchfork, and we're gonna see where that goes. Yeah, yeah I you know picked up maybe a little bit of social commentary. Can we say you guys are like anti-GMO? <laughs> um, I don't. You know, I think that. You know, it's easy to take extreme positions on any of that kind of stuff, and I think that's kind of what the comic book is making fun of too. Yeah, I feel like there's genetically modified food that's perfectly fine, and sure. there's people who are who it definitely are is <laughs> damaging our way of life by doing things like you know that are absolutely reprehensible. But um, yeah, no, it's definitely making fun of the the being on the fringe of both sides a bit. But yes, there's definitely social commentary in there, and I would say that you know we want to leave it to people to make their own interpretations but yeah there's definitely a little bit of just being tired of like corporate everything you know i feel like everything is you know i feel like in the in the early 90s was one of the last sort of bastions of hey are we gonna let corporations rule everything and i feel like you know those people who didn't like that idea i feel like we we lost because <laughs> i feel like that that is kind of the beyond end all result these days is it, it is all corporations mm-hmm. for the most part yeah and i feel definitely- like a lot of Go ahead. Go on, Jens. I was just gonna, you know, chime in there too. A lot of the, a lot of the tiredness is also just around how corporations try to look like they're not corporations, and like a corporation might come into a, a family pumpkin farm and they call it a branded a family pumpkin farm, but then you would go, you know, it's just so funny because we trust it. Like, oh well, I know this shop, so so I'm gonna shop there. I know the name, so we're, you know, it's gonna be trustworthy. And definitely trying to play in that is like, is that really trustworthy? Yeah. Like, is that really the thing to trust? Not just in farm, you know, a pumpkin farm, because who cares about that, really? But, uh, well, pumpkin farm owners do, I'm sure. Jen, Jen's and I care deeply, but the, you know, about entertainment and all of that stuff, where it's like, oh, I trust it because it has a stamp of approval from a big corporation, right? <clears throat> um, so I, I noticed actually when we set up the Skype call that uh, one of you is in Portland, one of you is in, in Olympia. Um, I mean, are you are you both from one place or the other? Or? Well, um, I actually grew up near Olympia, and I met um, I met David when uh, when he lived in Olympia as well. And that's uh, we were both there at the same time. And write what you know, right? So we had the story take place around Olympia, Washington. Okay, yeah, it's a, but, I, I knew you guys like it kept seeing Beaverton attached to you guys' name, um, and so I just kind of assume that's where you're home base was but then yeah i was reading through it and saw you know thurston county and olympia and uh you know yeah. re- references to you know here in washington um so i was i was <laughs> a little confused for a second but um okay so very so rooted where where rooted where, in, where definitely where in washington are you uh we're, we're actually in seattle right now i actually i right i live a little further south of seattle but yeah i grew up just north of seattle and you know, it's all, it's, we're definitely like Pacific Northwest. And when we started writing the script, we were both in Olympia and, th- and that was where we were. And a lot of the other realities, like the Beaverton address is just a matter of, we have to put, you know, the, the publishing company needs a, needs a, a home base somewhere. Mm-hmm. So. And that's just right outside of Portland. Right. Yeah. So is Henderson Farms based on a real place or? Uh, it's an amalgamation of a bunch of different pumpkin farms, you know, uh, mixed up. One of the we actually one of our fondest memories was uh, years ago going to the different pumpkin farms and taking pictures and and just yeah. just having a Take, blast t- deciding. Oh man, look at the mold on this pumpkin, and you know, yeah, yeah. So. Look, look at the goats and like look, look at all this 
that's cool stuff around here. Cool. So, um, <laughs> and you have issue two up on Kickstarter right now. Where does the story go from here? Well, there's like a handful of survivors from the first issue who um, they've managed to survive that first uh, wave of, uh, of monsters and stuff. Um, but now they have to figure out how they're going to get off the farm alive. So um, it's basically more of a really action-packed, crazy issue, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I noticed that issue one seemed pretty lengthy. I mean, is that going to be kind of a standard for you guys? I think that's one of the benefits of not being, you know, being indie is that we can make it as long as it needs to be. So, mm-hmm. you know, definitely some of these issues are going to be an issue two might end up a little longer than your standard comic book, uh, you know, or is going to end up a little longer than your standard comic book. But certainly in the future, you know, we might find that some of the some of them end up a little shorter or a little longer, just depending on what part of the story, what part of the series we want to get out in that issue. So what we really appreciate about um, watching some of these uh, cable programs like Game of Thrones and stuff like that, you know, one episode might be 55 minutes long, one might be an hour and 15 minutes long. It has more to do with making sure that you, you know, do your three acts or whatever for that episode more than, you know, what some arbitrary time limit is on it. Right. So uh, speaking of Kickstarter, what what are you guys looking for in terms of money and what kind of perks can people get? Right on. So our goal is our goal is five grand. Uh, the perks, perks are pretty pretty straightforward, but some of them are really awesome. We have one left at the highest tier, which is you can die in our comic book, uh, and that's at six hundred and sixty six dollars. Uh, I get it. Uh, and it, and it <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it goes down to you know we're we're really into any any and everybody who wants to back us support indie comics. You know, down to just like. A dollar, two dollar levels where you're going to get uh, some, you know, some digital images for your computer and for like Facebook. You can use this profile images, stuff like that, to digital copies of the comic book and physical copies of the comic book. We've got some pretty rad stickers uh, and posters too, uh, you know, and a, a t-shirts are available at seventy-five dollars or above, and also a, a collection of buttons. So kind of old school punk rock. Uh, style trying to get the buttons out there. Yeah. Killer. Did I see there was another podcast that actually paid the six hundred and sixty six dollars? So there's a little bit of some uh, uh, some complication around that, but yeah, uh, we definitely have a backer at the six hundred and sixty six dollar level. They're clearly a much more lucrative podcast than we are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was. It wasn't. It wasn't really the podcast that ended up doing that. So okay. Uh, it was uh, it was a little more complicated. All right, <laughs> but yeah, man, someone you know, we're, our stuff's like you know, good enough to yeah, spend that sort of money on. So you know, I encourage people to do it. Yeah, <laughs> take times. take what you can get. I mean, don't don't be the fool that turns down money. <laughs> <laughs> it's for who's given us the money is what we'll turn down though because you know we just still have that stupid uh, DIY ethos that seems to haunt us and make people shake their heads at us all the time but we do believe in you know doing things your own way and sure. if, it, if it if it conflicts with your personal beliefs or whatever and I don't know we haven't had to do that much with this comic but there's definitely been times when we had to decide hey where do we stand with this and where do we want to go with this so 
So what would you guys say if, uh, you know, somewhere down the line, like Dark Horse or Image came knocking? I, I think Dark Horse or Image would, would be more likely to get our attention. Um, I would say personally, me, uh, Marvel and DC, never. But yeah, no, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just on, on kind of who they are and where it might go from there. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think as long as we can maintain our autonomy or Dark Horse in an anthologizing kind of way, like if we Absolutely. kept doing our thing with getting the issues out as we could on our own and then they came back and said hey we want to put together 12 issues and make a you know make a, a trade out of level of distribution and their level of uh, production and mm-hmm. fan you know fan people who can see it because i think that's one of the things we're running up to running up against to and you know that's one of the reasons we love coming on podcasts and talking about it is it's like we feel like we have this really great product that and this really great story to tell to people, but it's just getting people to know it exists. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's always the hardest part of any venture is just getting the word out. Like even, you know, us as the podcast, just trying to blow up social media as much as possible and just do whatever you can to get people to know your name. Yeah. Right. And it's, you know, and, it, and it's frustrating because I feel like if uh, Justin Bieber or something said, Hey, you guys should read blood and board. A lot of people would. And that, kind of pisses me off. I, 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 I'm sick of the over-reliance on celebrity endorsement. I feel like a lot of people second-guess everything these days because the right person hasn't told them that they should check it out. When intuitively, I like to think that if I saw something like what we're trying to do on a shelf, I would at least pick it up and give it a look without looking for someone's approval, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think we're both of the type of people, you know, it's, it's kind of a dying breed that we take <laughs> we take advice from, you know, friends and our own opinions I mean god forbid people follow their own opinions anymore uh, yeah. but and to be the first person to say they like something I feel like exactly it takes that, guts it takes guts to say hey I like this <laughs> uh, your your art is very engaging so I think it's it's pretty easy to get someone to just pick it up and you know open it up uh, who who is your artist So uh, our artist on uh, issue one, you know, our, our sequential artist is Dave Acosta, um, and the you know the rest of the team, man, comic books take a whole team. So Dave Acosta is definitely uh, penciler, doing inks is uh, Juan Alvaron, and on colors is uh, Fran Gamboa and and his his team with JC Ruse, um, and that killer cover and the cover that's been released. For the second issue, both done by the same team and the same uh, artist is Juan Antonio Ramirez. And those guys are all like in the industry, which is fun to work with, like, uh, you know, working with guys like DC and uh, Xenoscope and uh, Image and stuff like that. But we're, you know, it's fun to be able to work with them and be able to help them remember and, and to give them the energy around we can do what we want. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then also I wanted to note that we also have someone who did some cleanup work and just did some uh, um, other detail work on the comic was uh, Tucker Resbecki, who is a guy that we met back when we were getting Blood and Gourd off the ground in Olympia. Uh, another guy who was drawing with us was uh, um, Flynn from... It, you know, we we say it all the time, but it takes a village to make a comic book, and that's really the case with this. I mean, um, you know, uh, my wife was a huge help, you know, 
putting mm -hmm. it together as well. And um, also the back cover, and it's the one we're using on our Kickstarter, that image, that's by the Gurch who is actually from like uh, 80s horror comics, like Gore Shriek, like super ultra gory stuff. Right on. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's you know, talking about these these big name uh, comic labels and I guess, like like you said, it must be refreshing for them to be able to go back and, you know, say, I can do my own thing without anybody's approval. And I think that kind of goes across other... Um, forms of media. I mean, you know, a lot of directors are going back to just directing indies nowadays, and so I think that's right. maybe the way the way the world is going these days. I like to think that it's all in cycles, and that we're going to return to more of this. Uh, just, I, I miss the creativity, man. I yeah. just do. I, I miss new ideas, and I feel like there's all kinds of brilliant people that are being just laid to waste right now in this climate of you know what's going to make the most money what if you know it's like i love teenage mutant ninja turtles when i was a kid but you know what i would love to see what someone else's take would be on that same concept you know what i mean mm -hmm. so i don't know it's just i'd love to see anybody but michael bays <laughs> right exactly <laughs> but there are good ideas to be told out there and god damn it i would like to watch them i would like to read them i'd like to experience them yeah sure well nobody wants to do anything new because they want to do what they know makes money right yeah when what well, everyone those, wants is something new those yeah. people in the industry do but that's the thing of like nobody gave jens and i permission to do all this work and right. to make exactly. our own comic book label and to go out there and seek out talented people who were like-minded and maybe into what we were doing and and could you know get the story that we wanted out there um out there without any of the hang-ups from the people upstairs or, you know, the, the owners of the company the saying, suits. well, that's not going to make money. That's not going to do it. Like, why would we do it that way? And, you know, it's just a matter of let, let the creative people, you know, let the creators, Jens and I, be the people calling the shots. Yeah. Are like, this is the story we have in mind, and we want to tell the best story we can and trust that that means that people will dig it. Or at least enough people will get it where... We'll get some backers on on Kickstarter, and it can you know it can feed itself and can make itself sustainable. Yeah, because what is the be all end all? Maybe we've lost sight of what that means. Is it to become rich and famous? Because I see a whole lot of miserable looking rich and famous people right. on TV all the time. So maybe there's more to it than that. Maybe it's more to be like, hey, let's keep this something that it's local that might go a little further than local. I mean, I don't know. In some ways, I'd like us to do our, our, our company more like what a local microbrew is doing with their beers, you know? You know, there's certain comics you only get maybe in certain states, you know? <laughs> it's fine by me, you know? Yeah. Let's um, keep the lights on. For sure. All right, so I guess uh, to wrap things up, you guys want to plug your, your websites and your social networks and your Kickstarter and all that and let people know where they can find you? For sure. Go to Kickstarter, search for Blood and Gourd. Our website's uh, bloodandgourd.com and deadpeasant.net will get you all the information you need to know of how to get a copy of issue one or how to back us on Kickstarter. And uh, we're really active on Twitter and Facebook, so definitely follow us. And not just follow us, but uh, do that thing where you get notifications when we tweet. Because uh, we'll let you know of, like, uh, you know, any of the short time or, or limited funding levels, tiers that are out there on the Facebook and Twitter. And that'd be how to find out about that as the Kickstarter continues. 
And, you know, we want to involve more people, too. I mean, we call ourselves dead peasant, obviously, because, you know, we're not don't have any delusions of grandeur about where we're headed. So we want people to feel like they can engage us. If you're an artist or you're a writer, you've got something. We're really busy, but we're still, you know, send it to us. You know, I, I hate that there's this me and David were just talking about this, how there's I'm the creator and you are the uh, consumer that that kind of nonsense. I want everybody to feel like this. They can be mutually engaged with us. You've got art. You've got stories. Let's hear about them. You know, send them. Cool. Yeah. Well, I like that ideology a lot. All right. Well, I think that's all we got. Uh, thank you guys very much for coming on and talking to us. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah thank thanks you for doing much. what you do. Yeah. Thanks a lot. That was fun. Yeah, uh, keep up the good work, guys. <laughs> thank you so much, man. And you guys do the same. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're discussing possibly going down to uh, Portland Comic Con. Uh, in September, so I guess we might see you the, guys there. The Rose City will be there for sure. So, cool. right on. Look forward to it. All right, we'll All right, take care, again, guys. guys. Yep, thank you. All right. All right. I got that great plot. I got that great plot. I got that great plot. It's right off the highway. Wobbledy wobbledy drop into my grave plot. You afraid of death? Well, I'm afraid not. Cause I got the bomb spot right off the highway. I did it my way. A very small percentage. This is Blood and Gord. Uh, some cool guys to talk to from Dead Peasant. That it is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I was really big into comics when I was, you know, as I had to start paying for my own things in life. Um, kind of stopped, but Gord was definitely a good one. So. Uh, go check out their website. Um, Duckets. Yeah, don't be a cheap ass. Throw throw down some money. Yeah. At that one, you get actual like physical copies. Oh, nice. Physical stuff. Like I, I would rather read a comic than look at it. On. Yeah, but your dad thinks Facebook is stealing his identity. So, <laughs> holding a book, it's just it's pleas- sure. pleasing yeah. in a way. I get it. <laughs> Wishing them. Best of luck with their new Kickstarter. I'm sure they're going to get number two published. No move on to our, <clears throat> excuse me, reviews. Start with the 2014 creep. All right, we are. Uh leaving the flatlands and we are heading up towards the mountaintop. The ad said $1,000 for the day, filming services. Discretion is appreciated. A yellow door. I'm realizing that no one knows I'm here. Hi! <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to scare you. I'm assuming you're Aaron. Yeah. Joseph, oh my god. Oh my god. This is going to be a good day. So the reason I've hired you is because I have terminal brain cancer. And I want you to film me to make a video diary for my unborn son. You ready for this? Okay. Joseph! This is called an adventure. We don't know exactly where we're going. But I have a feeling. When you follow those feelings, great things can happen. Don't ever forget that. Joseph? (laughs) There was about two seconds there where it looked like you wanted to kill me. Joseph? I think I'm going to head back. 
Give me some more keys. One drink. Okay. Bottoms up. Uh, written by Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplis. Directs. There's a voice. Yeah. But other than that, it's the, the old, these old, for the entire movie. Right. Um, it is found footage. Right. It's, this one is essential to the style. This there is a lot of why are you filming this moments, though. There, There is. So, why don't you give us a little rundown? Okay, well... Um, me and Tony were actually just talking. Yeah. I just kind of give you give you a a plot breakdown and then get into viewing it so much. So we're going to try to make a conscious effort to change. Yeah, hopefully, that. That, that creates more conversation. <laughs> so, anyways, this is um, it's about a videographer named Aaron. Tells him he has an inoperable brain tumor and he wants to record a video for his. I don't think he ever really specified. It, it was one of the. T- but it, anyways, his his young child um his son knows who he is mm-hmm. uh throughout the course of the movie joseph just gets uh, get it <clears throat> um and this i guess i can say it right you find out peach fuzz is this says and he has joseph has this wolf mask that he wears and that makes him peach it's uh yeah it's got like a big gaping mouth and it's just more more creepy throughout the movie he he doesn't let Aaron leave, and then eventually Aaron does leave, and he starts to get in the mail from Joseph that are escalating, and uh, just like, like you were saying about found footage, it, it does fit a lot because he's still recording. It's like at that point, I would be turning off the camera, and I would be getting the fuck out of this house. They stick out like a sore thumb. It's like, yeah. Well, no, who, nobody in their right mind knows what's happening. Yeah, kind of like the upper footage. Yeah. Um, I think they. they so, uh, what, what was your what, what's your take? Characters. Uh, this is a very short movie. It is. The, I was surprised. The full runtime is slow, but I think it it moves along with Aaron just letting his freak side out. Mm-hmm. in this because yeah. Joseph, you know, he starts out and he's perpetuates it keeps getting worse and worse and worse um to know who he really is mm-hmm. or, or you know what's real or what's fa- um so in this case i think a lot of character development was necessary to hard to look away mm-hmm. I, I think the the second half of the movie everything past the phone call i think where that is it creates this uh kind of vacuum to where, like, I think Aaron was. So, um, I think that's maybe one place where this movie kind of 
It didn't have... It didn't give itself enough space to tell us about both of these characters. Yeah. And, you know, if Aaron was just the guy behind the camera, that would be fine. But he's... He becomes, you know, a main character. Mm-hmm. Like we said, it's it's just these two guys in, right. in the entire movie. Yeah. And it, it would be fine, like I said, if, if Aaron was just the guy behind the camera, don't really know who he is, uh, and he's kind of inconsequential, just maybe like a, like a fly on the wall, basically, that'd be fine. Yeah. But the fact that he becomes part of the story, it's like you, you want to know more about him. Yeah, especially when he goes home. Yeah. Like, once he leaves the house, there's, you know, you don't really know anything about his his family or, you know, his friends who he is involved with that could possibly help him in this situation. You mm-hmm. never find out anything about any other people. Right. Um, but, yeah, so let's, let's talk about Joseph as a person. Okay. Uh hard to figure out like you said very hard to figure out he uh he he's has a self-proclaimed weird sense of humor mm-hmm. which to him means scaring the shit out of people at every opportunity yes that's anyway. fucking hilarious <laughs> i love that and i don't mean like you know doing weird creepy things i mean like hiding somewhere and jumping out at someone yeah just childish shit yeah um and he, the not th- to say that he can't be creepy no, 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 no. He's but he just gets off on, on jump-scaring people. And yeah. jump, the jump-scares in this movie are actually pretty good. Yeah, because they're literally jump-scares. Like, yeah. Like you said, he jumps out from a, behind a corner when you don't even expect it coming. Mm-hmm. Like, so many, you know, especially guys that are so into horror, you know, like, like us, come to a point in our movie-viewing career, I guess, uh, where you can kind of start to anticipate jump scares. Yeah. This one, they, they're so out of nowhere, mm-hmm. almost bordering on un- unnecessary, Yeah, but they, it works. Yeah. Um, and Joseph, he's just such a weird guy. He has, he, he has such a weird version of what's, like, acceptable. Because one of the first things he does, like, when, you know, he introduces, introduces himself to Aaron... Uh, you know, tells him what he's doing and what, what he wants Aaron to do, um, and has him f- follow him upstairs. Aaron turns a corner. Joseph's ta- sitting down to take a shit. <laughs> or, or no, he was getting the tub. W- w- okay, I know he did get in the tub, but it seemed like he was getting in, t- sitting down to take a shit because he was uh, right in front of the toilet. Uh, he might have been. But I just the tub was right there. So. Yes, it could have been either way. Yeah, he was getting in the tub for a, a tub. But yeah, it was like when he first got there, he says. All right, I'm going to go get in the tub. And then he just runs upstairs, and Aaron's kind of like, well, what do I do? And he's like, well, come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he's in the tub for his tubby. Yeah, his tubby time. Yeah. Uh, and he's, like, pantomiming this baby. Yeah, and that that is, like, the first point in the movie where you, get, like, as a viewer, get, like, an uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. Like, this is so weird, and I'm not even there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, he talks about how he and his dad, when he was a kid, they used to take baths together. Right, and I mean that's there's nothing odd about that when you're at a, a to a point. Well, depending <laughs> on how old you are, yes. yes. <laughs> if you're you know 13, then yeah, it's still it's weird. But yeah, as a baby, you know. Um, but yeah, the fact that he's just like 
pantomiming holding this baby and oh dipping your tootsies in oh yeah. it tickles doesn't it yeah, like he, holding this baby on his chest and it's just okay. yeah he puts like this washcloth on his chest like he leaned back in the tub puts a washcloth on his chest and he's just like caressing this washcloth <laughs> like it's a like it's a baby it's like dude f- what the fuck yeah <laughs> um let's talk about peach fuzz a little bit more okay uh you know, like you said, the movie was originally titled Peach Fuzz. Mm-hmm. And I was actually reading something that uh, the reason they changed it to Creep uh, was because they were worried that people wouldn't want to see a movie called Peach Fuzz because they wouldn't get it. I could see that. Yeah, it's like, how do you imply what the movie's about with a title like Peach Fuzz? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I just imagine watching the trailer for this, just as it currently is, and then at the ending just being like, Peach Fuzz. Yeah. You're like, wait. <laughs> That movie's called fucking Peach Fuzz? <laughs> um, but Creep is definitely a perfect name for this movie. Yeah. I couldn't think of a better one. Yeah. Um, but Peach Fuzz, as a character, like this mask, this, this, this is more like another subject which Joseph's story of this mask changes. Mm-hmm. But like you said, initially it's a created character from his dad. And he even has a little song that he sings. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, the mask, it's, it's, a, it's very, it's a very cheap and almost poorly made mask. Like it, if you're just see this mask on the wall at a Halloween store or something, mm-hmm. uh, you probably wouldn't give it a second thought, but just the way it's presented to you, it's like, Jesus um, and you know what it kind of reminded me of? Um, like, you know, Black Cat Fireworks? Yeah. Reminded me of like the logo. The logo, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, obviously, that's more of a, like a panther, but right. it's kind of, it's it's got this really elongated snout, just open, open wide with all like the, excuse me. Uh, all these sharp teeth, and it's got this mane yeah, of just big curly hair. Lots of hair that kind of goes down over the, the wearer's shoulders. Yeah. Um, and it, at a certain point in the movie, Joseph, he almost treats it like it's a almost like a safety blanket. Yeah. Um, so. I was... I wanted to mention something about that. And I, I couldn't think of a way to word it. That's that's the perfect way to word it. Yeah. Yeah. Like he he can hide behind it. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. I mean. Anything else? Um, the one thing I thought this movie did really well is that it would take a moment, but then it would stretch that moment out to like two or three minutes, to the point where you're just like you think you know what's going to happen. But you keep expecting something else, yeah. And so you're just like, "Oh God, what's gonna happen? Is it what do I think is gonna happen, or is it gonna be something else?" I'm waiting for it. Yeah. As opposed to just you know, like, boom, it happens. Mm-hmm. It just it just brings you in. It just sucks you in with anticipation. Yeah, and I think I won't won't discuss it in detail, but the ending was a great yeah that's representation that's of that exactly. Um, just it very to the very end. You're trying to figure out what kind of guy Joseph is, and that—that's what makes this really stretched out climax, um, like 
you're questioning what's actually going to happen. Yeah, and you're also wondering what Aaron's going to do. Yeah, in in, in the same moment. Hmm. Um. And the thing about Joseph is he's never aggressive. Yeah. He's never you know screaming. He's never angry. He's he's just like calculated, but at the same time you feel like he doesn't really have a plan. Hmm. Yeah, he's. He definitely seems like he's just kind of winging it. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's very cool about what he does. He's not. He doesn't react emotionally. Yeah, which is just fucking weird, and it's creepy. Yeah, and you know he he kind of defines a psychopath or you know or a sociopath at least because, like I said, he's such a perpetual or a uh, uh, what's the word pathological that's the one um liar and you know he he tells you tells Aaron these things about him about his past about you know just who he is in general and you come to you know then later on he changes that story to something completely different yeah so it's like you never really know what's true yeah but you know he tells this initial story about himself and you find out that's a lie and then you think back it's like well that was so convincing it's like you at, you had no reason to not believe that was the mm-hmm. truth, but now it's a lie. And so the fact that he could do that just so straight face, methodically, yeah. So it's uh, definitely a, a, a strange character. And you know, played by Mark Duplass, who you know, even though we saw him in uh, uh, Lazarus Effect, more right. of a serious role. Um, well, and I mean, he, him, and his brother make a lot of movies. Right. This is a, it's a Duplass Brothers production, and a lot of their movies are are a lot are pretty serious roles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's mumblecore, whatever the fuck that is. He's apparently like the the king of it. I still don't know what it is. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's known as Pete from the League. Yeah, and that's what I... I mean, I, I don't even watch the league, really. Um, but that's how I associate him. Yeah. Uh, so seeing him in a role like this is just so wildly different. Yeah, I didn't know if I would be able to take him seriously as, as a antagonist. Mm-hmm. But he he does it pretty convincingly. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Anything else to say? Um, well, this this is supposed to be the first part of a trilogy that's right we discussed um, this before yeah the second part was supposed to be filmed late last year and come out this year but i guess they've both uh Duplass and bryce have been busy with other projects mm-hmm. but they're they're still planning on moving forward with the sequel and i think i think the hope is to film this year that'd be cool uh, i mean i'm interested to see how they can extend the story without just duplicating it yeah um i mean the way the especially when you come to the end of the movie and you really find out well mostly what joseph's all about um and you like you find out where everything was headed it kind of lends itself to the potential to be serialized or you know to to make sequels yeah um 
but like yeah like you said it's it's hard to think of anything that wouldn't just be the same movie over right again so yeah i'd be interested to see what they could do with it to make it different and not just identical to the right. previous movie so but i mean this one was was pretty good in my opinion so i i think they you know if they can figure out a good story they they like you said it could lend itself to a sequel mhm and I, I think Joseph is an interesting enough character, and we, there's still so much about him we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you kind of find out what he's all about, but you still don't know who he is and why he is the way he is. Right. Uh, because you don't know what, oh, what, if anything, is true about him. Yeah. So. <clears throat> all right, well, you want to talk numbers? Um... Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I I enjoyed it, it, but at the same time, like I said, there was the moments where I was just like, no one would still be filming right now. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's no reason for you to be carrying around this camera. Um, and I think this movie could have worked just fine cinematically. Mm-hmm. I don't think it needed to be found footage. Like you said, it it did lend itself to found footage at times because just because of the the nature of the story. Mm-hmm. That he was this videographer working, and his sole job was to make this footage. But the the whole second half of the movie where he goes home, th- there's no reason for him to still be filming himself. I don't. I never understood what the point of that was, mm-hmm. unless he's just like trying to, you know, get documentation for a criminal case later or something. Yeah, but. If that was the case, it wasn't clearly explained. That's, I think that's probably the reason I kind of let it slide. Is like you know, there's points when he's back at his home and he's filming things that have happened uh, that are strange circumstances, and that, I think that's probably why I kind of let it go a little bit because I just think maybe subconsciously. Um, I do wish that uh, if that was the case, that he would have. Yeah. Um, ah, and there's one scene. So maybe I'll talk to you about it off mic. But there's one scene where I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> it's It was one of the creepiest things I've seen in a movie in a very, very long time. What you're referring to, but we'll okay, talk about well, it later. <laughs> yeah, because I, I definitely want to bring it up. Um, but I guess overall, I... Um, I'll get a six and a half okay um you know i i definitely enjoyed this um aside from the 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 negative things that i've mentioned in the you know mentioned earlier um i don't think there was a lot wrong with this i mean it had good progression considering um i mean despite the long segments of character development and obviously the why are you filming this spots those are my only real complaints so I mean I enjoyed the story I enjoyed the characters I enjoyed it more than I thought I would like I was excited to see it just because it is Mark Duplass Mm -hmm. and um, although most of the Duplass Brothers movies I don't really care for because they're mostly like romantic comedy kind of stuff yeah but um, but I was intrigued if nothing else to see it but I didn't really have high hopes just because it is found footage, yeah. and I didn't know how he would do in horror. 
but I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, same here. I mean, I I was very tempted to go up to a seven. Well, it's interesting because I mean, like you say, six and a half, and honestly, I I enjoyed it quite a bit, and um, don't see a lot of negatives about it and i think a lot of other people would enjoy this too um provided they're into like thrillers because mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely a thriller yeah there's it's not it's not a blood and guts movie yeah um but uh, anyway so yeah i i th- think i'd say an eight. Oh wow yeah i don't i would not have expected you to put a found footage movie that high no, i typically wouldn't but I, I didn't find the found footage element as distracting as it is in a lot of movies. Despite, like, the very... I mean, a lot of found footage movies, there's shaky cam elements of it. And this one was, like... You know, they're doing shaky cam like it's intentional. Like, they're trying to do shaky cam. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't really look authentic. This one, it's definitely authentic. There's, like, a lot of like moving around thing you can't even focus on what's going on well i, I mean it, it it's part of the story though like he, he's running and or he's you know going downstairs or he's panicking yeah but yeah that that, that because that's so uh it, it's so hard to focus on anything when that's happening yeah even in other movies where they do that you can usually pick something out because they want you to see something. This one, it was just chaotic, and it, I think it worked really well to add to kind of the authenticity of it. Mm-hmm. So, All right, well, if you're willing to go up to an eight, then I'm going to go ahead and bump up to a seven. Okay. So, what's our other movie? Our other movie is a movie that just came out, I believe, this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, it is called "Dark Was the Night." something that's not easily explained. You been out in the woods lately? Into the trees? All the animals just up and vanished. Animals sense is a threat. Tend not to hang around. You hear that? Jesse, come in, over. This thing that we're looking for. Maybe it's always been here. Those are just stories, Donnie. People have been telling them around here for a long time. What if there's something wrong about these ones? You really think there's a monster in the woods, Donnie? Okay.
All right, Dark Was the Night, 2015, uh, directed and produced by Jack Heller. Um, Hello. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stan, uh, stars uh, Kevin Durand. Of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Nope, not that one. Oh. I watched the wrong movie then. I watched Thunderstruck. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Kevin Durant, he's a guy that I don't typically associate with kind of leading man. He's usually the guy that's like a, a secondary character. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too. Um, and But I think a lot of people would nowadays probably recognize him from The Strain. Oh, is he on that? Yeah, I, I haven't watched it. I, I know he's on it. Um, I I keep telling myself to watch it. I'm sure it's on on demand. I just haven't even bothered to look. But I think it's on Hulu, but I'm not 100 percent on that. Mm. It's season I mean, one, anyways. I know season two just started. Yeah, I mean, I mean it it looks and sounds really interesting. I, just, I remember wanting to watch it when it like first was ramping up the PR. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'll, I'll get around to it eventually. <laughs> <coughs> anyway, so Dark Was the Night. Um, also stars Lucas Haas, yeah. a.k.a. the kid from Mars Attacks. That's exactly what I thought. I couldn't think of anything else he's been in. I remember seeing him some, in something else recently, too, and thinking, oh, hey, that's the kid from Mars Attacks. <laughs> uh, I mean, he plays a pretty... Um, obviously, that that character is like miles away from this character he plays in that, but I just I kept associating <laughs> associating him with that kid in Mars Attack. Um, also stars uh, Bianca uh, I can never say her last name right. Kajelic, I think it is. Oh, from Rules of Engagement? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so... And it, our old buddy Nick Dimitri. Yeah. He's popping up, like, everywhere. Yeah. Uh, this is, what, th- third movie we've watched with him in yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so this... Did you say where it is? I got the impression that it's somewhere like upstate New York. Like, um... Because they kept saying that... Southampton? Um, is that where it was? They kept saying that... That would make sense if it's upstate New York. Yeah. I would say. Um, yeah. Although I, in New York they... Yeah, they, ne- they do never... They never do specify exactly where it is. Right. Speculate somewhere... Somewhere in the northeast. Uh, the Atlantic coast over there the other coast yeah we don't talk about that <laughs> i don't know what goes on shields um and lucas haas plays his his deputy uh donnie paul he he's having kind of a, a he, had, he had two boys one son died um you find out why later on on your own um and uh so he's just having kind of a move on and it's caused some strain between his wife yeah. <laughs> strain so, um, some weird things start happening in the town. Um, a lot of, uh, why, and that, that's the other thing is like, uh, all the hunters, I mean, it's a big hunting town and Ernie's talking to Paul at one point and says, uh, you know, I've been hunting these woods a lot. Uh, I, I have not seen a single deer. There's, they're, they're right. Um, and at one point, like, yeah. <laughs> Just, All the birds. Just this mass exodus uh, attacking you. Just like, Jesus Christ, what's happening? Uh, I mean, and like tensing up just because it's like, oh God, what's going to happen? They're going to poop on me. Yeah. Um, 
anyway, so even like like Nick Dimitri's character, um, Earl, uh, and explains it, and they said that there is no animal that they know of that could walk tracks like that, that could walk on two legs for that far, because these tracks go through through the town. They see it passing by a camera, um, but they never get a good look at it, and it, it starts how to stop it, meanwhile trying to keep the town, the small town, from just erupting into a panic. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's essential. Uh, this one was not my cup of tea. Part of it was kind of... Um, kind of an afterthought well not an afterthought but it's uh, the story revolved around paul and his estranged wife and never really seemed like a fourth that i guess the main thing to me damaged that he's trying to be a leader when he's broken i could see that um but still you don't know what this thing is like it um like, they think it's a horse at one point, except they said that it would have to be walking upright. <laughs> um, but instead of being, like, a, a cloven fingers, I guess, I don't know what else uh, to call them. Digits. Yeah. Appendages. Sure. I wanted the monster to be more prominent earlier. Mm. 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. I, that was, like, a um, or a creature, whatever it was the very end um up to that point you get glimpses of its silhouette yeah um and you know like some some good electronics maybe i don't know i don't know if it was maybe somebody wearing like uh uh like gloves and and like leg extensions or something or if there maybe it was just so you did see if it looked pretty good effects wise and then when you can CGI. Yep. That was a huge disappointment. And not great CGI. Better, but not much. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Grant really got so much to work with. And so maybe creating this big, huge monster with CGI, um, maybe they couldn't afford to create an costume or whatever. Could be. But I don't see that as an excuse because, you know what, you can create physically. Yeah. That fits within your budget. Um, because even in CGI, that monster didn't look all that good. Expected something a little less lizardy. Yeah, Razor or Toka from Turtle Turtles Two. Oh, I was gonna say kind of man. Yeah, a little bit. I think it's mainly like the face. Uh, so I mean, what, what do you think of the the story? To me, it felt like the monster storyline was was the B story. And the wife and the kid, but just this the kind of Paul's emotional well-being mm-hmm. seemed to be the A story, and it just as far as like being a horror, you see a couple dead bodies. There's not a huge sense of dread at any point, but yeah, it just it didn't. I don't know. It didn't grab me. I, th- I think I liked it for the most part. Um, I mean, uh, it, it's a small town, down to like a few people. Sure, <laughs> but there were a few characters taking up screen time that wasn't needed. Yeah. Um. 
it was like 98 minutes. Is that all? Um, this and creep back to back, but it felt much longer. Look it up later. Uh, I was seeing him, as I said, like kind of a secondary character, an asshole, like a real hard ass. So it was, it was nice to see him as more. And, uh, it, you know, the characters I've seen him... Have you seen that? No. Oh, okay. It's it's a really weird movie. So it's almost like a... It's, uh, he plays just a real fucking weirdo in that. Um, and, and this to see him play just like a normal guy. And I never really took him to be the type of person that had... A, like some real strong acting chops just because the role they didn't really ne- necessitate a lot of you know acting skill yeah so to see that he actually could yeah I thought the acting was well done by yeah. everyone in this yeah even Nick Domici who seems to alternate between a terrible actor and an over actor <laughs> uh, Stay Clan was the first one we watched yeah in it, and he was shit in that movie yeah that's kind of how, how it felt and then in uh late phases he he was a little just yeah. like a grumpy old man um but yeah i mean speaking roles in this were pretty limited which is probably why he was it was okay but um yeah i thought everyone worked well together um yeah i de- definitely can't say anything bad about the acting yeah one thing that was weird about this movie to me was the the colors the the lighting the whole movie is it, it, it's like kind of you get the on the ground, right? Stuff. But it, it was just, it was almost distracting to me that the movie was just blue. And then when they're in the the police station, it's super green. Yeah, like kind of, a, mm-hmm. and it was just so prominent. That was something that stood out to me when they're like in the police station researching or something, and he's like working under this one light except for this one area of yeah. light that's like super yellow and uncomfortable of like police stations I've never been arrested let's <laughs> just I've, I've been there before um, and I've never noir style almost yeah. like just completely old school yeah, just waiting for the camera to pan over and there's some guy with his feet up on the <laughs> and then she walked in <laughs> aside from the look of the monster what do you think of the type of monster? I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on it. Oh, okay. I like that in media, in in movies especially. Uh, it's not what I imagine it looking like. No, I, I mean, I I don't think it's necessarily a spoiling. Is when Paul's doing his research, he comes across uh, things that are named for it. I don't know if that was like a female version. Yeah, I mean, I, like I've got the page of Go Wendago. Windiga, Whitco, and Whitkick. Whitco grocery store? Whitico. Oh. Winnebago. Uh, and Whitikow. That's becoming a a, uh, a monster and a character that's becoming an interview. People are getting so burned out on things like vampires and, and zombies and werewolves and yeah. the classic things. Exploring something that not only has people like native um fabled creature um yeah and like a, a wendigo for those of you not in the know is actually a creature that was spoken of by uh Atlantic coast native tribes um the story I've heard more than 
but then ate human flesh, and that turns them into a Wendigo. A few years ago? Sounds vaguely familiar. He claimed he was possessed by a Wendigo. The thing is, like, I'm I'm reading here that there's things called a Wendigo psych. You can become a Wendigo, or you can be possessed by a Wendigo. Okay. Um, But, yeah, like, aside from it being a total thing looked. Yeah. Uh, I liked the use of it. Yeah. Uh, next big thing. Like everybody's going to go to the Wendigo for the yeah. for their monster. Fresh take on on something. Yeah. So. Um, it's one of those yeah. things that like you 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 kind of see or saw in stream. Yeah. Kind of like Krampus. Yeah. Krampus is becoming real hot right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and, and what like why now? Like why all of a sudden is everyone on it? Yeah. Um, it wasn't like there was one, and now everyone's jumping on it. Like all of a sudden, so I don't know. Do you have anything else to say? Uh, really familiar to me, but I looked up his his uh, IMDb, and he had like five credits to his name, and nothing. I, I don't know. Hmm. He must just look like every other little fucking kid in movies. Guess so. We just uh, give our ratings then. Four, four. All right. Um. Well, I mean, obviously, I enjoyed it a little more than you did. Sounds like it. So, um. Um, aside from just the disappointing creature, the 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 color hues on the on the it was just it was too much. Yeah, so I, I knock some points off for that, um, and I think I'll probably give it a six. Okay, okay. So we always like to close the show with something we call plot holes, which is where we take the plot of a movie and we remove a bunch of words and replace them Mad Lib style. So shut up, Siri. Fucking Siri, goddamn bitch! Cunt. Uh, Tony, I need an adjective. Sweaty. Regular noun. Pissy jeans. Another noun. Your dad's vibrator. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we want. You climax right after the vibrators. <laughs> uh, noun. And another noun. Mario Lopez has done to the movie The House of the Devil. <laughs> Maybe he's made it more. A co-ed struggling to pay her rent. Her rambunctious, loud, and stubby best buddy, Megan. After moving into a new apartment, Samantha is for pissy jeans. Samantha jumps at the opportunity. Once she can... has got so many pissy jeans. <laughs> ...learns that your mom's vibrator is not quite what was advertised. Ullman <laughs> and his wife... Oh, God. He tells Samantha that she just has to climax and... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> when she balks at the change of plans, he offers her a monkey wearing Samantha is a much bigger part of the Ullman's plans for Mario Lopez than she would ever want to be. <laughs> so The Devil 2, starring Mario Lopez, coming out December 15th, opposite Star Wars. Right. Yeah, don't forget to go to uh, Amazon.gradeplotpodcast.com. Get yourself a 30-day free trial of Amazon Prime. Get- oh, Shut up. Help a couple brothers out. Helps Tony takes... Won't you help this child today? <laughs> Find us on Facebook and Instagram as Grave Plot Podcast or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. You can what are we doing? We are reviewing Final Girl and Harbinger Down, and we're going to have some st- with us for the whole episode, hopefully, unless things fall apart, but that's the plan. See you later. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, so catch up on the game podcast where we're all just a little dead inside. <laughs>